Well, it's Wednesday, and welcome back, Secret Squad. I'm really excited about today's episode because it's the first of a series I'm doing called The Secret to Turning Your Dreams into a Reality. In this series, I will visit with successful, inspirational women and men that made their huge, crazy dreams a reality. I'm so excited for this. You will not believe the incredible success stories I have for you. Each episode will inspire you to chase your dreams. So let's get started. I'm here with Allie Webb, the genius founder of Drybar. Drybar is, of course, the iconic business that started the blow drybar craze. Drybar now has over 150 locations worldwide, as well as a product line that is sold in Nordstrom's, Sephora, and Ulta. Ali is going to tell us about her wild journey as an entrepreneur and how she built this business as a stay-at-home mom. She has been named one of Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40 and one of Marie Claire's most fascinating women. She was also a guest shark on Shark Tank, one of my favorite shows. With all of these accomplishments, you know that she's going to have lots of secrets, lots of stories, and advice for the Secret Squad. So, Allie, I'm going to jump right into the first question. Tell us about your business background, and did you go to school for business, or has this always just been a desire and a drive in you? Yeah, I didn't go to business school. I didn't even go to college. Yeah. So (laughs) I think we're supposed to be like best of friends because we've already talked even before the podcast started and we have so many things in common. We do. We do. So because I didn't graduate from college, I did go to college, but I didn't graduate. Well, technically I went for like a second. Uh I went to like three classes maybe, but very quickly was like, this is not the thing for me. And so I moved to New York City when I was 18 years old. And love it. um, You know, I just, I never... I, it just I, I didn't really love school and not that school is bad and I think school is a great path for a of lot course. of people but for me it was just not it, I just I was too antsy in school and I wanted to like get out and see the world as a kid my parents would take us to New York City when we were like in high school and I remember just feeling this electricity in New York and I wanted to be there and I, so I was so anxious to like get out into the world and figure things out and yeah, I, I didn't have any traditional training. I, I very much think that all of the jobs I've had in my life, you know, throughout my 20s and, you know, really up until I got married and had kids, like really ended up preparing me mm-hmm. for what I, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately ended up doing, dry bar being the biggest thing I will probably ever do. Um, but <laughs> Quite no <big>. formal training. <laughs> yeah. Quite huge. Yeah. That's wonderful because it just goes back to the saying that in what we both have talked about and believe that when you have a dream, when you have a passion, I believe there's nothing that should stop you or can right. stop you. Yeah. Or there are a lot of things that can prepare you, but it doesn't have to be that college degree or that schooling, that particular schooling. Right. When it's well, a passion, yeah. you can do it. And it, it was interesting for me because I wasn't, I never really thought of myself as like really very super driven. And, you know, when you, when I look back at my life and where I ended up and in this very po- kind of powerful position and my life changed so much in the last 10 years and, you know, I mean, in every way possible. But as I was, you know, going through my life and figuring out what I wanted to do, I, I just was kind of following, you know, m- kind of my gut and my heart and doing the jobs and jumping from job to job in a way that was like felt right and good mm-hmm. to me. It was like, mm-hmm. if I, when I got to the point where I was like, this is not what I want to be doing anymore. I've learned all I can learn here. Let me move on. You know, that was just kind of 
my path and, and all of the different things I did from working in PR and learning how to like be a professional in a corporate setting. Like, you know, that's not ultimately who I wanted to be, Mm -hmm. but it was an important like piece of my journey. And obviously being a hairstylist and working in tons of different hair salons and being an assistant and doing all of that, you know, from, you know, starting a dog walking business when I lived in San Francisco. I mean, there was just so many different things I did that I think ultimately prepared me for what happened and what became, I I always say like dry bar was kind of the dream I didn't know I had. Oh, I love that. You know, because I was, Uh once we started and I, and we were all like, holy shit, we're onto something like this is so big and so much bigger than any of us thought it would be. Then it was like, oh my gosh, like this is this is going to change lives. This is going to yes. be so impactful to so many people. And I just didn't even realize that when we were starting. At the time. And yeah. I love that you are saying now that, that you know in your gut and you know in your heart that when you look back, everything you were doing, everything was a part of preparing you yeah. for where you are now. And it's funny because now I th- feel like later in life, and I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but for me, it's like there's much more like anxiety and worry and fear now than there was when I was growing up and when I was in my 20s and 30s because I had this very like, you know, it's all going to work out mentality and I'm always going to land on my feet no, one way or the other. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, I don't know what it is about being older that makes you feel more worried. Maybe it's like immortality. Well, I, think I don't know what it is. Because we, you have children yes. and you have, uh, that right there is enough to yeah. put that... <laughs> that bit of important anxiety, I guess, or that real true need for the anxiety because you always want to be, we're always thinking of our children. So true. That's the number one responsibility, don't you think? Once you become a mother, it's like, that's your career for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. Everything else is just added, I would say an added bonus, but. uh, Well, yeah. And with the business, you know, with dry bar, it's like, you know, when you have your own business, you don't ever get to stop thinking about it. It's the same, you're right, with children Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you don't ever get to stop thinking about them and your life as you've known it and this like selflessness that you've had Mm -hmm. or selfishness that you've had is gone. And you, you know, you're, you put your children in front of you and Mm -hmm. you put their well-being in front of you. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole, that's a massive (laughs) life shift, right? I mean, it's the craziest thing. And so, yeah, that changed. I think that really changed everything for me. You know, I've, I've said this before and I've always believed that was my true calling to be a wife and mother and to raise my children. And it's just this knowing in my heart. And um, I can remember though, that coming home from the hospital with Jay and thought, wow, what a privilege that I've been given to have this young man and this baby boy and get to raise him. And I really, truly hoped and prayed I would have a son. And here he is. I remember handing him to my mother-in-law and saying, I'm going to go jump in the shower. And she said, okay, okay. And I was so, I was so blessed to be surrounded by loving parents and Mm in-laws that wanted to help. And I got in that shower and I just burst into tears mm. from the pressure. Yeah. I thought, wait a minute, I'm supposed to, I, my dream has come true. Yeah. But I needed that big, long cry yeah. because I was, uh, the reality had set in. Yeah. And it's, it's it a is lot. a lot of pressure. It's scary. It's very yeah. scary. Yeah. So then, like you add on all these other big girl moments. Yeah. <laughs> it does, though, yeah. as you get older, the stress. Well, and for adds. me, we, you know, when we started Dry Bar, my kids were three and five, and, and wow. I too very, felt very similar to you when I had my kids, like it was like, I I dreamt of having babies forever. And although I didn't think a lot past babies, because I remember watching, you know, moms with their babies and that like love. And I wanted that love. I yearned for that, like deep love that you feel from a kid, from a Mm -hmm. baby. Uh 
Um, and then it got really hard when they started talking. <laughs> yeah. uh, but oh, they it, have an opinion. When yeah, first like, um, oh, one of them man, said, no. They were so cute and they couldn't talk. Oh, um, no. They but, say, no. And I, I remember going to look at Philip and go, oh, my gosh, look how cute. He just yeah. said no. And he meant it. Oh, he really meant it. He has an opinion. I know. Well, that's another thing that's been kind of an interesting now journey for me is, is watching my kids who are almost 13 and 15. They are their own people. Mm-hmm. and. You can do, you know, it's like the nurture versus nature conversation, and I could, I could swing back between both. But it's really interesting how they are really their own people, and they're uh-huh. they have their own thoughts, and they do their own thing, and they're going to be who they are. And that's like a hard yeah, reality to you know to accept. Yes, I and think. your boys, their ages right now, you're still able to influence. Yeah, but barely, barely trying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I like, mean, it's interesting to for my kids to see our lives and what they what they take from it, what they like, what they don't like. You know, my parents had their own business growing up and they had a bit of success, not the kind of success I have. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's like my my 12-year-old, you know, doesn't doesn't like for people to know. Really? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. He's like, and not that I'm like, you know, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, I have a very small footprint in the world, but oh. but nonetheless, especially in LA and you know, as his friends all know, and he's just like, he's a little like, he doesn't want people to, he wants to like make his own way. Both of my kids really, uh-huh. and they don't mm-hmm. want, you know, my influence in that way, in like a public way I to, understand that. to I be understand that. who they are, yes. which I find really interesting because like even my, my 15 year old son who makes music and I was like, I can help promote it because I have a big yes. platform. And he's like, no mom, I don't want your help. I want to do it on my own, which is, you know, so much integrity and I agree. makes me so proud, but I also want to help like, but just I let know, me. I know. Let me just give you a little push. You know, I understand. That, our you know? both of our boys are in are, are grown men now, and yeah. they have their own lives. And um, their father's Doctor Phil. Yeah, and they have. I imagine that's on a much yes, much larger scale. Our youngest yeah. pretty much tries to doesn't try to run from it, but he yeah. they both want to make their Do way their on their own, not be in the shadow. Yeah, yeah. and it but it, yeah, it's hard. We're proud of them. Yeah, and it's hard not to show off and show them off and talk about them. What so what line we, of work are they in? Our oldest son is in TV production yeah. and then also is a entrepreneur. So he's very successful on his own. Yeah. And our youngest son is a musician. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah. you know, we want to scream it from the rooftops. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to do this on my own. And of course, n- no one else in the family can sing. So he he's truly doing it on that his own. That <laughs> would be what I would do if I could do anything would sing, would be the same. Oh, I know. I'd love uh, to watch him perform. Yeah, I bet. What I a gift. Do. It's amazing. Thank you. So now we've started talking. This podcast is not about children and family, but we're mothers. Yeah. So let's talk about when you did start your business. I understand you, it's almost out of your garage, kind of. Kind of. I was, um, you know, I've been doing hair professionally for, gosh, 20 plus years. And after I got married to my now ex-husband and we had kids and I was a stay-at-home mom for probably Mm -hmm. about five years. Mm -hmm. And I loved totally relished it, loved every minute of it until I started to get the itch to do something for myself again. And so, you know, it was kind of like brainstorming of how do I, what do I do now that is, can be on my own terms. And so I was like, you know, I've been doing hair for so long. I posted on like a mommy, you know, blog or gosh, this was like 12 years ago, uh, before, before blogs were what they are Uh now that I was a stay at home mom, longtime hairstylist. I, you know, I blow out all my friend's hair you know, why don't I come over while your baby's sleeping and I'll have this little mobile business that will cater to moms who are, you know, are, are at home I with their kids. It. And while their kids are napping, I'll come do their hair. 
and that was that was it. And it was uh, it was like my best friend and I sitting in my living room one day with our babies crawling around on the yep. floor and saying, "What could we do?" <gasps> and so I started this mobile business. It was called Straight at Home. It was I was charging forty dollars to go to someone's house to do great. a blowout, and it was just you know more less about the money and more about getting out of the house and doing mm-hmm. from, something for myself and mm-hmm. just having a break. And I loved it. And it was perfect. I mean, it was so it so checked that box for me in needing to do something for myself and feeling good about it. I mean, I don't think I actually yes. made any money because I was like driving around LA and the traffic and yes. the gas and the whole thing. Yes. But that, it wasn't about money. It was about, you know, just getting that experience. And and I and I really loved it. And I met amazing women and they would tell yes. their friends about me and then their friends would tell their friends about me. And so I was so busy, so fast. <gasps> I was, was wondering how quickly it grew. Yeah, or, or, it grew so fast. And I think because I was pretty cheap, I'm pretty good. It's pretty cheap. It was pretty amazing. And I was like, huh. I would ask my clients, like, what do you do when I can't come to your house and give you a blowout? And they really didn't have an option. It was like, oh, I kind of go down the street to like the fantastic Sam's where like a kid's getting a haircut and the lighting's bad. And it's like, yes, the experience kind of isn't great. Or I go to my full service lawn where I get my cut and color, yeah. but then they're overcharging me yes. and they want to do a haircut and they're trying to- Or I just know, go without. Yeah. Or they just go without. And so I was like, surely there should be something in the middle that's, you know, just blowouts in a beautiful space and an affordable price for women everywhere. And so, you know, I went to my brother, Michael Landau, who's my business partner and also oh. bald, has no business in the hair world, <laughs> yeah, so. um, and said, hey, I think I think there's something but here. Listen, I love bald. So I know, not- right? You can appreciate that. Um yeah, so I felt like there was just an opportunity, a very small opportunity. Uh-huh. You know, it was like, let me open one little store. I was living in Santa Monica at the time. We opened the first shop in Brentwood in oh. 2010. We're about to we're about to be our 10 year anniversary <gasps> next month. Congratulations! Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. That's right, 10 years. 10 years, and that one little shop was like, I can pick up my kids from preschool, run this shop during the day, make a living. My husband had a great job in advertising. I was like. This is perfect, oh, wow. you know. And then, you know, little did we know what would happen and what it would turn into. And, you know, it just exploded kind <gasps> of in front of our eyes. And, you know, from that first week to the, you know, first couple of months were just insane and so, so busy. We were so underprepared. It was oh, so insane. What was your business plan? You would just do blowouts. Just, <laughs> there you wasn't just... much of a business plan. I mean, there really wasn't a business plan. There, You know, the, the plan that was, you know, I was hiring stylists. I was having them blow dry because it was before the shop opened. I was having them do blowouts in my home uh-huh. and, and I would talk to them. And if they were nice, seemingly good people and they could do hair, I would hire them. And that mm-hmm. was like the process. Now it's like a whole thing to hiring people. But yeah, that's how we hired the first handful of, ha- of hairstylists. And we were so understaffed. We didn't have enough people. I was sitting in the first chair in Brownwood blo- doing blowouts, trying to like manage the front desk, manage the uh-huh. shop oh, from wow. that station. And it was, I mean, it was exhilarating. It was the coolest thing. And we were like, you know, it was it was lightning in a bottle and we knew it really fast, really quickly. So you only offered- more. Just blowouts. We washed oh, the hair, blow out the hair, and that was it. And, and it was, it was such it. a new concept that, you know, women would come in and it was that, that same kind of question, like, what? Like you don't do haircuts and nope. You don't do straightening. Nope. It's just no cuts, no color, just blowouts. And that was our, you know, our model. And then, you know, women would also ask, and I understood this completely like, oh, can I get a manicure? Can you have a manicure? come in. No. Like the, the focus in my mind, and I don't know why I felt so strongly about it. And now I know, but I was just like, I just want to focus on one thing and be really good at it. Because in my experience of my life of growing up with my mom, who was like a big beauty guru, and we she would go to the beauty parlor every Saturday, like clockwork, and she would get her nails and her toes and her hair and waxing and all the stuff in one place. And that was just what it was. And, 
it, it felt to me like none of those people were great at one thing. It was just this mm-hmm. kind of smorgasbord and people were kind of doing a little bit of everything. And I felt like... I love though that she did that every Saturday and you can still Saturday. talk about it. And it was, yeah. it, it's a legacy that you're living yeah. from your mother that she put herself first and she yeah. spent her Saturdays taking That's care so of herself. True. I never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and my mom wasn't in the beauty business and I also have naturally curly hair. I grew up in South Florida where my hair was just so frizzy and curly oh. all the time. And I used to beg my mom to blow out my hair all the time. And I loved the way it felt when my hair uh-huh. was blown out. I hated my frizzy hair, and I didn't feel put together. And when my hair was blown out, I felt like like a million bucks. And I love it. I couldn't articulate that back then. I just knew I liked it mm-hmm. and would beg my mom to do it. And begrudgingly, she did not love doing it because I was such a brat. And I was like, <laughs> you missed a spot, and yes. this doesn't look good. And it was like the writing was on the wall all the way back then. But yeah, that that really was largely probably instilled by my mother. And but I, I didn't I, – I was always paying attention. I loved being in the salon. I loved the salon world. Oh. And when I did finally make the decision to go to beauty school against my parents' better judgment, <laughs> I remember walking into beauty school the first day and just being like, oh, I love it. Oh. I just wanted to, like, absorb and I learn everything that. about the business. Yeah, I'm surprised and- I didn't go to beauty school. When you, Just hearing you talk about it right now because I love everything, beauty, beauty and yeah. and everything hair makeup i loved it it was it it was this like thing that i was so mystified by as a kid growing up because when i was growing up it was like you know cindy crawford and um Mm. christy brinkley and they were like the supermodels and they had this hair that was like bouncy and wavy and straight and shiny and i was like how in the world does their hair look like that because mine didn't look like that and Uh and then there was the girls at school (laughs) whose like hair dried straight and i was like how does that happen? And I was yeah. so curious and intrigued by it and wanted it so badly for myself that it became this like passion. It was just like kind of this through oh. line of my life. And then I, when I finally went to beauty school, I was like, oh yeah, this is where I'm meant to be. <gasps> I love that. Let me ask you one thing before I forget. When you were talking about clients and others coming in saying, this is all you do? Do you offer manicure? Da, da, da. Yeah. Did you ever hesitate? Did you ever stop and think, should we? Should we offer that? Should we offer that? But I really you're didn't. Gut, you stuck uh-uh. with it because I stuck with it. I, that's I what's so unique about what you have. Yeah. I understood the desire and I felt that too because we're all busy and it's like, if you can get, I love the idea of efficiency. But, but it's the same old thing though. It's yeah. what everyone else is doing and right. you stuck with your yeah. gut. What, and with I think that knew. women came to love and still love today you know, that they know we're kind of the authorities on blowouts. And if we were trying to be too many things to too many people, mm-hmm. it would just be a very different business model. And further, seeing a lot of our competitors over the years who have tried to do that, who've like, let me be a blow dry bar that also does this, this, and this. Uh-huh. And, and they don't make it. They usually end up turning into a full service salon because that's yes. that model. That model is like, we do a lot of different things. We bring in experts from different places. Great. That's a mm-hmm. great business. Mm-hmm. That's not my business, you know? Yeah. And I always felt very, very strongly. And I mean, no one knows better than me how hard it is to run just a blowout business. And, and, you know, we have 4,000 employees (gasps) in 140 locations. I mean, it is a lot of work to train. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. In 10 years. Say that again. 4,000 employees, 140 locations. And and we have a massive product line that we just sold uh, to Helen of Troy. So that was like, I mean, such a surreal moment. So, yeah, I mean, it's. And, and yeah, I mean, no, <laughs> nobody is more surprised than me about all the success that we've had. And and I was like historically the underachiever 
the late bloomer, so. if you will, of my family. My brother, Michael, who's my older brother, he was always, you might get this reference to Alex P. Keaton. Do you yes, remember that show, yes. Family Ties? Oh, yes, yes. Um, he, was th- he was that guy. He oh. was like always coming up with ideas. He's so like naturally super smart. And he's really been a, a mentor in addition to a business partner and my best friend oh, my whole life. So it's been that. also really great for us to be business partners. But I don't think any of us, I mean, it's kind of just kind of longstanding joke in my family, which I'm okay with. It's like, you know, it was, it was always like, what the hell is Allie going to do with her life? And now it's like, <laughs> look like, at Allie, look at me now, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's very, it's very uh, oh. sweet and humbling. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, and it's our family business oh, really. So it. we, you know, we've all, my brother too, it's like having to work together and us all finding success together has been just like the greatest thing ever. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. So you started it with your ex-husband, yes. your brother. Who's also bald. Oh, so funny, right? Funny. To be in like my two business partners are these yeah. bald men. <laughs> <laughs> that is really fun. Yeah. And look where you are now, 10 years later. Yeah. I'm so proud. I'm so oh, excited you. for you with all of those locations. And yeah. do you still work in one of the locations? Not not really. I mean, you know, I for it was it was a really interesting kind of um transition over the last 10 years. You know, the first, the first I would say three years were just insanity. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't think I ever slept between the business and the kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was so crazy. And then, you know, then we started to bring in, you know, more professional execs. We brought in a professional CEO who turned out to be an amazing hire and, and we brought in private equity, raised a ton of money. And so that really helped get us to the next level. And with that came like me having to relinquish a lot of the responsibility that I had once had, which was the right thing because, you know, running and scaling a business mm-hmm. wasn't my forte. I had a vision. I knew who I wanted things to be, but but scaling and growing in operations, like mm-hmm. not my jam. So yep. it was great to have the help, but hard. And it was hard to uh, accept other people making decisions and accept things now starting to happen in the company that mm-hmm. I wasn't directly involved with. So that was a really tough tr- transition that probably happened around year four-ish, um, and we had around year three or four, we started developing product, which also became mm-hmm. kind of my new baby and, mm-hmm. and really worked on that. And, you know, so I, I, once the stores hit, like I would say like the 10, 11 mark, once we had 10 or 11 stores, I was like, it's impossible for me to be in all of these places. I, oh. I, I kind of could manage it a little, like hitting all the stores. And then it was like, we started needing to hire, you know, district managers and that kind of thing to help manage it. And then I was managing them and then I was managing other people. And so my kind of uh-huh. role kept like elevating um, and now it's, you know, I have this very, what I love, this very peripheral view. I mean, uh-huh. I'm obviously still on the board and I still advise a lot and I still give my opinion probably more than people want. Um, but it's <laughs> but not- But you, you stay and do that because- Yeah, it's not, it's not, I'm not in the day-to-day operations the way I was. And and I'm I'm happy to not be, That's you wonderful. know, which may, I might not have been able to say a couple of years ago because uh-huh. I felt like, oh, am I- selling out. But I think it's it's just like the kind of ev- natural evolution of a company, mm-hmm. you know. I love hearing that. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to do this series and go through all of these steps that you're talking about so everyone can can just hear your experience because yeah. um, like you, 
I would feel that way too. It's like, oh, wait a minute. This is my baby. I started this. Yeah, Do I really hard. want to hand it over? But you, being the brilliant, really, businesswoman, knew I can't do take keep this. I can't yeah. keep doing this if I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And so you were smart enough to well, say, I, I think, yeah, I'm yeah. going to hand it over to those who know. Exactly. I mean, it was like, I think that was early on, early-ish in the first couple of years. It was mm-hmm. like, let's let's bring on people who are smarter than us, mm-hmm. who know what we're doing. And, and, you know, I think my kind of role in the day-to-day became, you know, we were, we were allowing other people to do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it mm-hmm. was, I think it was like smart for me to step aside mm-hmm. and let that happen mm-hmm. and, and remain the visionary yes. of the company. Yes. Good for you. Because yeah. it would be hard to do that. I yeah. think for a lot of people. Oh, it was excruciating. I mean, I, I, I mean, now I can look back and think, you know, it was, it was, a. Uh, it's okay now, but it was like a lot of like therapy, John, our CEO. I mean, we had so many tough conversations and it was, uh, it was a challenging, yes. really challenging transition. And I'm so happy for you that you were able to find someone, the CEO that you talk about, yeah. and that you um, are so happy with and that you trust. It's hard to find that person because yeah. um, if you make the wrong decision, if you if you find someone that you think is the right person and they turn out yeah. to not to be the right person, that's so tough. Yeah. So congratulations because— Thanks. And I was really, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to our— private equity partners, Castanea, who came in and um, really was our big first big tranche of money. We raised over $75 million to oh, date. Wow. But they came in and they said, my brother was the CEO, and they said, listen, we feel like at some point my, this is going to get too big for, for Michael and for you guys to manage. You're going to need somebody else. And I was very against it and very bratty, in fact. And and it wasn't until we started you know, meeting people. Mm-hmm. And the first like handful of people I met, to mm-hmm. your point, I was like, no, 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 this is not the right culture. This is not the right fit. Mm-hmm. And then when I met John Hefner, who came in and I, and he, you know, he just won us over in that first oh. interview. And we were like, this is, the, this is our guy. And, and the, you know, the rest is history. Oh, it's so wonderful that yeah. you listen to your gut. Yeah. A woman's intuition is so powerful. So powerful. And then, then when you are surrounded by brilliant people that really do know what they're doing, that, um, and, and being surrounded by brilliant people who aren't going to yes you to death. You yes. know, I mean, that's like my biggest pet peeve. Like, don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Mm-hmm. Tell that's me so the true. truth. Because you know? you're in that meeting with them because you know what you're doing. Yeah, and if you're just if you're just agreeing with everything I'm saying, like, we're not going to get anywhere. That's you know? right. Because I don't, what do, I mean, I'm, I can be wrong right. a lot. You know, so, so you're about to celebrate 10 years. When yes. you look back, what are those moments that you can attribute to where you are today, sitting in the floor with your girlfriend saying, you know, I just want to get out and go do what I know I can do. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely those, that moment. I also remember, I mean, there's a lot of pinnacle moments. I remember, well, even before the first dry bar opened, my brother and I were sitting at lunch one day and it was before, before smartphones are what they are now. We had blackberries. Uh Remember blackberries? Uh Yes, I do. Um, and, it's so funny. I and thought of fruit when you said that because yeah, right. I had forgotten about them. <laughs> so funny. Um, and we had, uh, and do you remember Daily Candy? Daily Candy was like a big, they they were kind of like a, a little ahead of their time. They were, they would send an email out, um, which, and they would kind of about like a new business or company or restaurant that opened yes. and nobody knew about it yet. And Just again, now, yes. we weren't all like as like Wi-Fi equipped as we are today. So you didn't know everything that was going on mm-hmm. and, and they would send an email and say, hey, you know, this is a cool new restaurant, and everybody would flock to it. And it was like, if you could get on Daily Candy, yes. you were like golden, right? Like, do you remember this? Yes. Um, <laughs> so I was like obsessed to get on Daily Candy, <gasps> yes. and we we got on Daily Candy, and they 
wrote this like pithy piece, like hot air is blowing into town. And it was probably oh. like a week or so before we opened the, the first day. And Michael and I were sitting in a restaurant right down the street. We had just been to the shop to watch the progress and it was under construction. And oh. our, our phone, you could book online and our phone started blowing up with email appointment notifications because back then we would get appointment notifications when anybody booked a blowout. And both of our phones went crazy and we were like, where are all these appointments coming from? We thought there was a glitch. Like we called our spa booker that does all our booking and we're like, there's a mistake. Something, oh. There's a glitch. Like there's all these appointments showing up. But then someone told us the Daily Candy thing had run and all of a sudden all of these appointments were piling in and we were just like, whoa, oh, I we are on to something. But, and so, you know, the, the books were filling up before we even opened. It was such a phenomenon. It was so, such a new concept and it's never been done before. So, you know, and at that point, I think we had walk-ins welcome on the oh, mirror yes. on the window in the front window. Yes. And we, and so women on the first day were coming in and they're like, it says walk-ins welcome, but most women were booking appointments. Uh-huh. So we didn't have room for walk-ins and women were pissed. And we were like, we're sorry. Like we oh. did, we were so much busier. We didn't had know if it was going to be. that on the window? Yeah, we had a decal. <laughs> we had to take that off. And, you know, we were like, we just didn't, we didn't know if it yeah. was going to be an appointment-based business Love or it. if people were going to just walk in. And so I remember that was a very pinnacle moment. And then, you know, there's just been, gosh, so many gifts oh. and so many blessings that have come. I, I remember also being in the shop maybe three months after we opened and our publicist said that Vogue was sending in somebody and I was like, Vogue? How does Vogue know about us? They, you know, there there was a, you know, a journalist that was in town, was in LA for something and didn't know where to get her hair done and, and oh. came to Dry Bar and I, you know, almost left. And then Maria Shriver came in one oh, day years ago yes. and, you know, because Catherine Schwarzenegger had been coming in a ton. Yes. And I'm sure they were very, if it was in Brentwood, they yeah. were, it was on a school run. Yeah. They probably well, drove by or something. Uh, you know, ba- I happened to be in the shop. We were, we must have been less than six months into the first shop. And oh. Maria walks in very serious. And, you know, she has tons of hair and she's yes. amazing. But I was very intimidated. And <laughs> we had had some celebrities, but she was like, you know, and at the yes. time Arnold was oh, yes. the governor. And it was just like, it was really like, holy shit, Maria yes. Shriver's here. And I did her hair. And she has oh. so much hair. Yes, she does. That I Beautiful. was like, I'm never going to get through this blowout. And I was so nervous. <laughs> and it was just, but what was great is like, she came in with like, you know, two handfuls of paperwork. And she sat oh. down and, she, you know, you can charge your phone while you're getting a blowout. There's like uh-huh. a movie playing. And I think it was Sex in oh. the City when she was there. And oh, it was it. like, you could see her slowly like it, getting the experience. And she, she kind of stopped doing her work and started looking oh, up at the TV. And she was like, my phone's dead. I was like, oh, you can charge it. And so I did her blowout and she said, you know, my daughter hasn't stopped talking about this place. And oh, Catherine has since become it. a good friend. And, um, and it was just such an amazing moment. And then later that day, oh. Michael and I were looking at a location in like in Orange County, I think. And Arnold came in with his whole entourage oh. and was like, my wife hasn't shut up about this place. I had to come see it, you Love know, it. small business. And so that was another moment. And there were so many of, I could go oh. on and on. There's been so many moments where we were like, man, you know, and I didn't really think when we were starting this business, like it felt even like a little vain to me and like, we're just doing blowouts. Like we're not really changing someone's hair. Like this oh, is weird. But you were, you were changing we their were. day, their life. Yeah. And that everything. was, that was the, that was the best part of the whole thing I would say is like that we were delivering confidence and happiness uh-huh. one by one. And, uh-huh. and you, I, I remember watching, speaking of pinnacle moments, I remember women coming in they're like with a hat on or the hair in a ponytail or bun 
and you know, checking them in, they'd mm-hmm. get their blood, and then when they'd be leaving, there was this like visible pep in their step. Uh-huh. They literally were bouncing mm-hmm. up up to the front, and it's even to the point where I was like, "Who is this one? Where did she come from?" Mm-hmm. Like I didn't see her come in because her whole demeanor had changed. It. And so I was like, "Oh my god, we are we are doing something really powerful here." I and, agree. And then I, you know, over the years, I mean, I've gotten thousands of, of emails and letters and notes from people saying, "I don't go to a board meeting without a blowout. I don't go on an important job interview mm-hmm. or a date mm-hmm. or if I." Mm-hmm. Just need to feel better, or like yes. I'm going. Sadly, I'm going to like a funeral, and my mom just died, and I need, I needed like a pick me up before yes. I, you know, just these things that have happened that we've impacted women's lives. Mm-hmm. Like I did not see any of that coming. I love you know, that. and I, I I'm love so that. proud of it. I truly believe I am the woman, the mother, the grandmother, the wife. I am everything I am today because of my mother. She yeah. was the most beautiful, amazing, live in her heart woman. Yeah that I could ever describe, but she didn't put herself first. She yeah. never took care of herself because well, I mean, she loved that, her family That was a much. lesson I learned too. And, you know, I think I, I've, you know, recently talked about it more that, you know, after going through a divorce last year and, you know, being working like mm-hmm. crazy, like 15 hour days and never taking time for myself and mm-hmm. not feeling good about like my body and not feeling good physically and, and, you know, and mentally. And it was, you know, cause I wouldn't make the time. It was like work, kids, yes. work, kids, mm-hmm. work, kids. And it was like, you know, and maybe occasionally I'd go get a massage, but I did yes. I did not put myself first. And I didn't think I should or could yes. put myself first. And it wasn't, you know, until I, you know, it, it kind of started to dawn on me that like, you know what? I don't have to be in the office mm-hmm. at 9 a.m. I can go work out mm-hmm. before I go to the office or I can not schedule meetings until 10 a.m. And, you know, listen, not everybody has that luxury, but you find the time when you can do what you have to do mm-hmm. and That's do right. it for yourself. And I think that, you know, if you're working for somebody hopefully you're working for somebody who allows you to to have that mm-hmm. that self-care uh mm-hmm. you know have that that opportunity to have self-care and i i totally it's such an it's a, i'm glad we're talking about it because i feel mm-hmm. like it's this thing that i i want to talk about more is like i don't think the way to success is driving yourself into the ground which That's is right. like this thing now it's like that people it's like, oh, I've, I've, you know, I haven't taken a break. I've worked all day. It's like, that's, that's, it's like, there's no, there's no real honor in that. That's like, exactly you right. Know? Because I believe that if you don't take care of yourself first, then you won't be able to take care of those you love. Right. It's like, it's and like the, what kind of, yeah, the what plane kind of, with the mask, put it exactly. out yours on first. And, and I right. always felt like if I'm, and it was like kind of how I was feeling when I decided to go back to work and I had been a stay at home mom. It's like, well, and, and, you know, I got a little bit of like slack for that. It's like, well, I want, I need to be happy. That's right. And if I'm happy, I'll be a much better mom, better wife, all right. of that stuff. And and that's a, it's a tough lesson for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think you would see a difference in those women walking out because they took the time for themselves to feel better right. about themselves and to look in the mirror and say, oh, wow, I, I feel better about who I am because I took this 30 minutes or 15, yeah. 20, whatever it was yeah. to... Just do something that made me feel better and it, about and it who I am. it makes you feel good on the inside. Exactly. You know? We actually just launched another business called Squeeze, which is a massage concept. And it's funny because, and we have a, an overarching company called the Feel Good Company. But Squeeze, which is designed by our same dry bar architect, my ex-husband did all the creative. Oh. It just It's the same founding team as dry bar. But the thing about, that's so great that we feel about Squeeze is like, you know, dry bar is like from the outside in, uh-huh. Squeeze is from the inside out. Love. You know, it's like all these things that we do to make ourselves feel better. And I probably am like the number one customer at Squeeze. I'm there like twice a week because I love getting massages because they just make Mm -hmm. me feel 
better. Yes. You know? And it's yes. making I'm that really time for acupressure yeah, and great uh, pressure points. And mm-hmm. because, yes, I really, truly believe in um, taking care of your body with massage therapy. Yeah. So that's so exciting. Has yeah. it opened yet? It, we opened the first one in Studio City about six months or so ago. <gasps> and it's like, uh, so uh, our former head of marketing at Drybar, her name is Brittany Driscoll, she, we partnered with her. She's the CEO and our co-founder, and she's amazing. And she's created such an amazing culture. You know that we have had almost no turnover in the oh. therapist. The, the we have like all like truly all five star review on Yelp. It's oh, unbelievable it. how much people. The, you know our projections are off the charts, and oh. now we're we're doing an exclusively franchise model, so we can give a lot more people the opportunity to own their own business. And we've already, you know, I don't know if we've actually announced it yet, but we have a couple of cities already in the works. And wow. So Tell yeah. us exactly what a uh, client would get when they come in or when they have an appointment. Well, the great in. thing about it is it's so technology driven. <laughs> so like Postmates or Uber, you, you know, when you are going to go to Squeeze, it's all, you download the app, uh-huh. you put all your preferences as in from like oil or lotion, like uh-huh. how you like the room temperature, the music you want, the different pressure points on your on your body wow. that you like and you don't like. So by the time you walk in and you're like, I am Robin, I'm here for my massage. The oh therapist has so much of your information. They sit down with you in the room, they quickly go over it, but they know already. And they know if you like the bed heated or not, like all wow. those things. And, and they then, know, don't, no talking. Yeah. Because like that you can say that in a conversation, massage. no conversation. Um, and then the greatest thing is you basically paid for your massage before you walked in. Yes. You tip after, but then when you're done, you just walk out. I love it. There's no, there's none of that transaction where, because you know what it's like when yes. you've had a great massage and then you have to go to the front desk. There's someone in line, they can't mm-hmm. find your name, whatever, yes. all the yes. kind of it's bullshit gone. that happens. All of that. All that's gone. Zen bailing and everything. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Because now you're <gasps> like stressed about whatever. Uh-huh. So you just, it, and it's a weird feeling because when you're in there and then you're like, okay, I'm just going to leave now. Yes, I just want to walk hey, out. And it just, feels like, yes, yeah. I love so it. So people are really taking to it. And, and it was, and it's so similar to dry bar in, in that, you know, massages at like hotels and spas are very, very costly. Or there's like the discount chains that are really not great. Right. And the experience is off. The booking is bad. So, you know, Squeeze kind of came also into the middle ground of that, just like dry bar did. I love that. I've, I've always loved having someone come to our home and, and, do a massage, but this is just even better. I and I like that too. However, if and especially now being divorced and I'm home by myself a lot, like I don't like the idea of a stranger. I agree, male or female. I agree, coming into my house. Like, no, I agree. I, just, like, I, I was going to say that. So creepy about it. It's yes. one thing when you, you know, I do have a girl who actually. She's an amazing therapist. She actually trained a lot of our therapists at Squeeze. Mm-hmm. I have her come to my house occasionally if I can't get to Squeeze. But I've but I know her now to yeah. the. My home is my sanctuary, really, and the privacy of my home is very important. So I've actually quit having people come to my home unless I absolutely have to. And Squeeze sounds like you have to come. Perfect (laughs) alternative. I'd love for you. Perfect. Oh, I'm coming to it. Yeah, you'd love it. it. So we're really out of town, but I wanted to ask you if there's anything else you would like to offer or tell us about because you're like brilliant. We've learned so much. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us? I think we we kind of touched on the importance of self-care and like self-love. And I think that whatever you have to do to kind of scratch that itch, if you will. And for me, you know, when I went through my divorce and was like kind of fell into a deep depression, you know, I really discovered like transcendental meditation is actually what I do. And like going on walks and connecting with nature and you know, reading a lot and journaling. And I have a grateful journal and I have a grateful app on my phone and, you know, all of those things. And I find that when I 
when things are really great and I'm feeling really good, I kind of let those things slip a little, mm -hmm. but how important it is to, to make that a practice in your everyday life and to do the things that make you feel really good and, and, and put the, the time aside, mm -hmm. you know, for yourself. So, so you, you can have a hectic life running your own business or fulfilling your dream, but right. it's so important to still take that yeah. moment or Take care a of few yourself. moments to journal yeah. and put yourself yeah. first. Like your Take mother care. should have. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, she should have. <laughs> she taught me a valuable lesson. Yeah, so man, what a I'm lesson. I'm very thankful yeah. for that. And I, yeah. I still, to this day, think of her almost every day because I do journal. Yeah, my, my mom passed away three years ago, too. I'm so sorry. And it was uh, lung cancer. She smoked <gasps> her whole life, which is always like a, a pain point for our I mean, relationship. I lost my and, father to lung cancer, oof, so I was really rough. pain. It was, mm -hmm. really, it was really rough, but... But she was an amazing woman, and to your point. And I never really thought about it the way you put it today, so I appreciate that. Thank you. I knew that I we would go shopping every Saturday and go to the hair salon, but uh -huh. I never really thought of it in those terms. So That was her yeah. gift yeah. to herself. Yeah. And you learned from it. I did. In a big way. I did. She's so <laughs> proud of you. Yes. Don't you know? And she did see the success before she died. So I love she that. She was able to see, and she would tell anybody who would listen that, you know, my kids started dry bar. And oh, was very proud. I love that. We have a, two things that we do with every podcast. It's a drink of the day, and we both chose sparkling water. Well, you chose sparkling water. I chose I flat water. Yes. And um, we also do a, a game of the day. Oh, fun. So we have a game here. I have one for you, and it's very quick. This one is this or that hair edition. Oh, perfect for okay, me. Okay, so I'm going to read it out, and you just give us the answer. Okay. Hot rollers or Velcro rollers? Hot rollers. Oh, I love that because I've always used hot rollers. I love need the heat. Yes. Okay. Sleek plus straight or beachy plus undone? Beachy, so, beachy yeah. and undone all the way. I have a hair gel or foam that says um, beach comber and I, it's a mousse. Yeah. And I just put it in and let it dry by itself. That's great. I love that. Look. That okay. works. Scrunchy or traditional hair elastic? Oh, gosh. Probably traditional hair elastic, although I have deep love for the scrunchy. I have a scrunchy on today. Yeah, you do. That's cute. I know that scrunchie is making a comeback. That's a good I know. one. It's definitely I, making I, I've a comeback. I've paid for it because I've worn scrunchies my whole life. I love them. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. Okay, top knot or low pony? Low pony. Oh, okay. Decorative barrettes or headbands? Oh, probably decorative barrettes. <laughs> I don't really I'm wear headbands. For, I like your barrettes. They're so for cute. For my secret squad out there of listeners, when I said that, I ran my head <laughs> all over because I'm they're filled in my head right now. They're so cute. I have a ponytail too. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Hat or hair scarf? Mm, probably hat. Yeah, that's hard to say too. Yeah, it's hard. I don't. Yeah. Well, the hair scarf, I wouldn't. I like like a big like, like big too. rim hat. Me yeah. Too. So I would go with hat. Okay, middle part or deep side part? Middle part always. Oh, good to know. Always. Yeah, your hair is parted and it's beautiful. Thank in you. In the middle. I love the middle. I like a deep side, but mm, yeah. I always am drawn to the middle. Like yours. Sometimes I do. Yeah. Today I did this middle part yeah. and I love it. And sometimes it I doesn't do like feel side. right on my head. Yeah, it it doesn't, just doesn't feel comfortable. And I feel like I always want to like move it back because it's yeah. natural in the middle. My eyes are really close together. And I, if I do it on the side, it's always going to cover one eye. Yeah. But I do. Same. It. I do have a lot. So. <laughs> okay. So hairspray or pomade? Those. Oh, I probably would say pomade. Oh. Yeah. I don't, I'm don't. i not a big hairspray girl. How do you do it, the pomade? Do you do it before you actually yeah, finish you kinda, the style? You, after, no, I would use it. I mean, you could, but I would use it like at, like on my fingertips, a very little amount emulsified, and then uh -huh. just to kind of create more texture on the ends. Good to know because I've yeah. always done hairspray. I always spray my hair, then brush it out. Yeah. And so that I can have the, the whole texture. Yeah. yeah. Updo or half up, half down. Probably half up, half down. I, love I that rarely too. wear my hair up. I rarely wear my hair anything but down. It's so funny because I 
rarely wear my hair in a ponytail on camera, but for the podcast, it's so cute. it seems like I always do. Yeah, it's so thank, cute. Thank you. Okay, well, that's it. Awesome. This is so fun. I do. I, I, I could talk to you questions. for hours. I could too. Yeah. That's I said great. before we started, uh, I felt like we're supposed to be the best of friends because yeah. we have so much in common. We were talking about we both raised two boys. Mine are grown, but hers are not. And we both love steak. <laughs> yeah, let's go get <laughs> a steak. Have, I know. <laughs> yes. Like we have so many things in common. And yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've met before. I know. And some other life. And some other yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay, thanks so, for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it was great. Okay. Really great. Thank you. Well, I don't really want this to be over, and this has been jam-packed with wonderful information. Allie, thank you so much for inspiring the Secret Squad with your story today. I'm sure that you gave some listeners out there the push they needed to jumpstart their dreams. Secret Squad, let me know what you thought about this episode by leaving a comment. And also, Secret Squad, if you have any questions, if you want any topics covered that we haven't yet, or to maybe ask some questions about previous episodes, Please leave those questions on our website. I've got a secret with robinmcgraw.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we're always open to your suggestions. Bye-bye. See you next week.